Hello, everybody, and welcome to Skating Through It, a podcast exploring how the COVID-19 pandemic has affected hockey. I'm your host, Jackson Peters, and today I'll be taking a look at how youth and college hockey in Arizona are faring during the COVID-19 pandemic. But first, let's take a look at what's happening in other areas of the sport. In the NHL, only six games were canceled during the month of March. This brought the season total to 42 games canceled. So, as the season goes on, fewer and fewer cancellations are occurring. But, in the first week of April, the Vancouver Canucks had 20 players test positive, leaving the entire rest of their season in jeopardy. This was the biggest and most dramatic shutdown in the season thus far. But, in spite of the Canucks situation, the NHL has been able to get along and with teams still confined to only playing teams in their division, games are getting more and more intense. They will be further intensified by the fact that teams that make the playoffs will continue to only play teams from their divisions until the Eastern and Western Finals of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Aside from the NHL, other leagues are also heating up as they reach the end of their seasons. The NCAA Frozen Four College Hockey Tournament began in late March, and COVID certainly made its impression on that tournament. Of the 16 teams that qualified for the tournament, three were removed and disqualified due to positive COVID tests within the team. This is a really big deal since we haven't seen individual teams be affected in such a way. In the years since the pandemic began, teams at this high of a level have not been punished for testing positive. The American Hockey League is also on the home stretch of their season, but the majority of teams in the league have had difficulty having fans come in full capacity and keeping teams COVID free. So it looks like it will be unlikely that the AHL will be able to hold any sort of playoffs, especially when you consider some teams already opted out of the season entirely. All in all though, hockey at these high levels has been able to continue after the long pauses of last year, albeit with cancellations and postponements and of course a slew of health and safety regulations. Ultimately though, what works in one league has worked in the others. The same cannot be said for youth hockey in North America. Some states and provinces let the kids play freely while others have still not totally allowed youth leagues to start up. To find out how youth players in Arizona and across the U.S. got along during the pandemic, I spoke with the Director of Youth Hockey Development at the Ice Den Scottsdale, Scott Gruber. I'm pleased to welcome the next guest to Skating Through It. He is currently the Director of Youth Hockey Development at the Ice Den Scottsdale in Arizona and has worked at the rink since it opened in 1998. During that time, the Minnesota native has worked in various positions involving youth hockey. Please welcome Scott Gruber. So, Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm, I'm doing real well. Thanks for asking. Thanks for taking the time to join me on Skating Through It today. I know you have a lot of info to offer about youth hockey and how it's been functioning through the pandemic. But just for the listeners that maybe don't quite exactly know what your job entails, can you just kind of tell us what your position is and what it is you do for youth hockey in Arizona? So I'm the director of youth hockey development in Scottsdale, Arizona at the Ice Den, Ice Den Scottsdale. Uh, what I do is I take any kid, any kid who wants to play hockey from the age four to probably 16, um, getting involved in the game, teaching them how to skate, how to, you know, handle all your gear, how to hold a stick, how all those things and and we work through certain um, programs that allow them to end up being placed on a team so there would be a learn to skate program after that program they would graduate into a we call it the initiation program which is essentially a learn to play hockey uh, course and then if you graduate that course you're eligible for uh, your first youth hockey team 
And all of that stuff makes you a lot different than most of the guests I've had on the show. We've talked about how it interrupted their hockey career or what they're doing in hockey, but you're focused on getting kids into it. How did this past year amid the pandemic affect these kids that are trying to play hockey? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. You know, um, we're pretty lucky or these kids and families are pretty lucky being in Arizona. Um, I've heard other places, Canada, back in the Midwest or East, be a lot harder to get on the ice. Uh, we were still, once the ice den Scottsdale opened, uh, reopened in, I want to say May and mid to late May, um, we just went with kind of a, uh, a pared down approach where it'd just be less bodies on the ice, less bodies in the building. Um, couldn't be accompanied, you know, by a, an adult to a certain point and things like that. Um, but we, you know, we did our best to open all our programs. It was just with, uh, less participants. What was your time frame looking like last year? Like when was, I'm sure you guys shut down for at least a little bit, kind of what was your time frame last year? Yeah, so we were down about uh, eight weeks, I want to say, uh, without having specific dates. I believe we closed, uh, I want to say it was Monday, March 15th. Um, and we reopened in probably mid-May, mid to late May, maybe May 20 or so. Um, we came back ju just with private lessons. It was like six kids on a half sheet. Um, you could only have up to 12 kids on the ice and two coaches at a time. You know, at that point, you couldn't even use a cone or a, or a tire for drills because they didn't want anyone touching or, you know, it, it was that strict, but, but we got them out there. Yeah, and it's fantastic that you were able to do that. And like you said, there's so many other places across the country that it wasn't able to happen. I think it's kind of crazy that Arizona became the place where hockey was happening during all of this. You don't, a lot of people don't always think about Arizona when they think about hockey, but for the past year, it, um, that's really changed. But I'm sure for people like you and I who are adults, I guess we can understand that maybe we shouldn't be playing hockey during all of this in the same way. But for these kids that are six, eight, ten years old, how did they take this? How did they react to this? Well, you know, just seeing the, the look on their faces, the smiles, the joy, um, you know, I think they were cooped up, you know, for those two months. Uh, it was really the only chance they, they got out of the house. They were, it's not like they were going to the store with mom and dad or going out to eat and, you know, schools were shut down. Um, so this was kind of the only thing they had to get away and, and do, do what they love. You know what I mean? And, uh, so it was great that we were able to do that. I, I think it, we didn't know we were just trying to get reopened. Right. So I don't even think we even realized the, the impact it would have to a certain individual, um, hearing what the schools shut down and, and other sports that, you know, they're, they're, you know, these parents were thankful that they had at least some place to bring their kids, you know, to keep, keep their spirits up. So, you know, it was cool hearing the feedback from, from parents. Yeah. And you bring up the parents, which I think, you know, you've worked with hockey parents. Sometimes they can be a little bit much to deal with. I know um, I'm a product of some hockey parents, so I know how did the parents react to all this? I'm sure that, you know, there's different rules you had to do. Maybe not as many kids teams aren't playing. How did you deal with that? Yeah. You know, again, I think they're uh, very thankful you know, they're appreciative. Uh, everyone was, um, 
you know, they were open to the fact they had to wear masks or they, they had to drop their kid off in the parking lot. They, you know, their kid had to come dressed or, you know, only a certain amount of kids were allowed in the locker room. You know, we, we were at 10 kids in a locker room with masks on. Um, we, we really didn't get pushback on, on anything. It was more, uh, which, you know, in, in my job against travel hockey, the parents are maybe a little more understanding because it's still so fresh to them. You know, they're just excited to be involved and, and watching their kids grow uh, as people and athletes and um, getting into team sports. I, I just think they're, they're you know, the, I think the best word is appreciative. So, of course, at the beginning, you kind of ease into it, add some more bodies. At what time did things start to be somewhat normal, I guess, is uh, the best. I know it's not totally normal, but when did you start seeing teams play again um, and have somewhat normal operations? Yeah, so, well, we got, you know, back on the ice, like I said, in May. Usually we'd be almost done with our spring three-on-three by then. Um, we decided to go ahead and launch it late, so it became summer three-on-three. Um, we limited the numbers again. You could only, it was down to, I want to say 36 kids on the ice and four coaches. So it was no more than 40 on the sheet of ice and then, um, 20 on each half sheet. Uh, it, that was, it was weird because we're used to a lot bigger numbers, but it was also better for the kids. They got a lot more touches. There was a lot more spacing. Um, I think they enjoyed it more because it wasn't so cramped and crowded. And I think the kids flourished because they're hungrier to be out there. You know, it was, it was a gift to them. Um, so we got through the summer and with the uh, onus of starting our league on time, we always start right after uh, Labor Day weekend and we, and we hit our goal. And uh, our goal was to complete a full season in, in the full season calendar time from uh, start of September to mid-March, and uh, and we pulled that off. Did you have to cancel games, shut down at all? Was that anything you had to deal with? Yeah, yeah, we did. So, um, like I said, you could only have 10 kids in a locker room. You know, there was a lot of kids coming dressed. It was acceptable to dress all over the, the rink and the lobby, and, and so to speak. You know, team chalk talks would happen on the player bench rather than the locker room and in closed area but we still you know what we saw once kids were allowed to maybe go back to school um, we did see an uptick in cases and um, we I would say we shut down eight teams over the course of the season Um, those teams would be quarantined anywhere from 10 to 14 days based on on what the uh, the diagnosis was whether it was contact traced or or you know what have you Um, so teams say they would miss one practice or, you know, there would be a forfeited game. Um, at one point we had four teams down. So we just had those four teams. We adjusted the schedule so they would play each other. So, you know, no one really missed out on much hockey. Um, and we, we never, no one ever said boo about it. Everyone understood and they were thankful that we had those things in place and, and, uh, you know, it was amazing. After we came back from the Christmas break, we we didn't have to shut down any teams. So it was all kind of really around Halloween through Thanksgiving was kind of the meat of it, uh, of having to shut down some teams. And then since since Christmas, you guys have been going pretty pretty well. 
Yeah, yeah. I haven't. Um, I a case was not reported to me in my league. Um, so yeah, we were going every weekend, uh, and we had playoffs, and and we just wrapped last weekend. It was our league finals. So um, it, all in all, you know, it, it's been a really really successful season. You know, just a general season. It would have been a great season. Uh, getting through the, the virus uh, with everyone being on board, you know, was a challenge. Uh, but, you know, I think we all take a, a lot of pride in in saying we were able to do it. Would you say that this is a year that, like, you'll look back on and think, wow, wow, we really did something amazing, instead of kind of being like, wow, that wasn't the best, it was kind of annoying, it was frustrating, um, or maybe a mix of all of it? Yeah, no, I, you know, again, you know, hockey's what we love. So um, to be able to get through it with, with so much, you know, craziness going on in the country, uh, in the world, uh, you know, people, it, it is a real virus. People got sick and, and uh, you know, unfortunately people passed away because of it. Um, but I, I, I don't think it would be the right thing to do to lock the doors and, and just stay away until, you know, everything is deemed safe again you know that's that's not that's not how we we act as americans yeah and for people like you and i i know you kind of touched on it like hockey is what we do it's what makes us happy and that's why i'm doing things like this podcast and finding a way to still be interactive with hockey um and and i'd like to think that everything we've done in the past year especially like what you've done with youth hockey at the ice stand and being able to make it go is awesome and you've completed that but COVID's still going on. Kids still want to play hockey. I know for me growing up, the summer was one of my favorite times for hockey, just all the camps and stuff. What are you guys going to plan on doing this year? Yeah, we're, we're uh, sticking with pretty much the same same slate we always have. We In the spring, we always do a cross-ice three-on-three league. Um, we really feel like that's that's been great for the development of these recreational players. Um, just so many increased puck touches, like I talked before, um, small area games, you know, quickness, quick twitch muscles, quick feet. Um, so that's really what we focus on, on in the spring. Uh, once we get to June, it does become kind of camp season. Uh, we, we do run like a four on four, five on five full ice, uh, league, so to speak, but it's only like six Saturdays in a row. But it's more week-long camps, June, July. A lot of people get out of town. Um, you know, you can get go to the rink to get cool down, but a lot of people, you know, go back home or, or go see family. So it's kind of a – it's better not to have a such a stringent schedule. You know, let, let these kids get a break too. They, you know, you, you know wh- whatever your beliefs are, I, I believe it's good to get away from hockey, you know, put the skates in the bag for a couple months if you can. You know, uh, do your off ice with some shooting at home, things like that, to, to keep your your mind into it. But um, you got to get away. Uh, you you want to miss it. You know, you want to come back in September and miss miss hockey. Yeah, definitely. It's always uh, missing it makes you want to be out there so much more. And I'm sure for a lot of these kids, um, that's exactly what the whole past year's been. And I'm sure it's been really exciting. Um, but one final thing I wanted to ask you about. I know that hockey isn't the most accessible sport in Arizona. It's getting better. More kids are getting access to it. But how do you think the pandemic affected that? Do you think that restricted a lot of kids from being able to play for whatever reason? 
Yeah, I do. Um, and I, I think you kind of you touched on this earlier. Uh, with with our restricted numbers, especially like in the Learn to Skate programs, it was the kids that were just getting, you know, their skate on the ice. I think those were the kids that were most affected um, because Learn to Skate, you know, programs had to pare down their numbers. You know, we went from having a, about 100 kids on the ice in one Learn to Skate class to allowing uh, only 30. So that's a lot of kids, you know, whether it's hockey or figure skating, that's a lot of kids trying to get involved in the game that, that weren't able to. Um, so I, I think you'll see, you'll look back and, and we'll see our numbers um, from, from those younger birth years, um, maybe affected for a few years before they, they're able to get back, back in the building. You know, some people may never, may never get back at it. You know, that was kind of maybe the one window the way life works, you know, maybe they pick something else or do something else and they never come back. But, um, you know, I, I think we will see an effect from this. Yeah. And that's the thing is there's nothing you or the kids or really anyone could have done about it, but I know that you're doing everything you can to get more kids on the ice and everything you've done in the past year is impressive to say the least. But, um, thank you so much, Scott, for joining me on skating through it. I really appreciate the time and I'm looking forward to hearing what, um, what the next year brings for you at the ice den. Hey, it was my pleasure. I appreciate you asking me to be on. I'm honored. Thanks again to Scott Gruber for joining me on Skating Through It. I find it quite surprising that Arizona became somewhat of a hockey haven during the pandemic and that Scott and the Ice Den were able to keep kids on the ice. But, of course, youth hockey is more than just the young kids. It includes the older kids in middle school, high school, and even college. To find out more about how hockey players in these age groups were affected, I spoke with someone who's very involved with high school and collegiate hockey in Arizona. So, without any further ado, let's see what the next guest on Skating Through It can tell me about youth hockey during the pandemic. My next guest on Skating Through It is well informed on the older age groups of youth hockey in Arizona. He is the head coach of Arizona State University's Division I American Collegiate Hockey Association team, as well as the head coach of the Desert Youth Hockey Association's 18U team. He's also very involved with the Arizona High School Hockey Association. Please welcome Tate Green. Coach Green, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Jackson. Thanks for having me on. How are you? I'm doing real well. Thanks for asking. And I am thrilled to have you join me on Skating Through It today because, well, I think you're kind of the go-to guy to see what's going on with uh, youth and collegiate hockey here in Arizona. Um, you're the head coach of the ACHA D1 team at Arizona State University. You're also the head coach of the 18U Tier 1 team at DYHA, which is uh, the youth program run out of uh, Oceanside down in Tempe. Um, and you're also pretty involved with the Arizona High School Hockey Association. So I could not be more thrilled to see uh, what you think hockey uh, did during the pandemic in Arizona. Yeah, well, again, uh, thank you for having me on, Jackson, and uh, I'm happy to uh, feed you any any uh, information I have. Um, uh, I'm not the smartest guy, um, but I can tell you what I what I experienced here this last year. That's for sure. Well, I think you'll be pretty smart on this stuff, um, so I'll get right into it with the big stuff. I know that you are the director of the ACHA program. That's the uh, uh, American Collegiate Hockey Association um, at ASU. Can you tell me just, you know, were you guys even able to play this year? What was the situation with ASU like this year? Um, 
to be honest, Jackson, it was painful for me. I'm not going to lie. Um, I think the last time you and I talked, we were down in Tucson. Um, you guys had just swept us. Uh, we thought we were out of a national tournament. And then we got called and said, no, you're in nationals. And then two days later, we got called and said, well, there's COVID and you're not going anywhere. Um, the university at that point pretty much shut us down. Um, we were not allowed to have anything uh, ACHA or ASU related in the fall semester. Um, we, uh, you know, the, the all club sports at Arizona State were, were shut down. I believe there's something like 85 club sports at ASU. And so um, none of us were allowed to compete or, or do anything under the ASU um, logo, label, uh, however you want to say it. Um, the local ice arena, Oceanside Ice Arena, actually created a, uh, they were able to stay open through all of this. Um, and, and they had ice um, and people skating and, and they adapted some rules. And, and we have an NCAA team that established some rules that need to go on in our rink. Um, Oceanside was able to then create the College Hockey Elite League, or as we call it, CHELL. And um, that league was for our guys to be able to still be on the ice, get a practice once a week. Um, they played in the games against each other on weekends, um, 4v4, no, no check, uh, just a way for them to all stay on the ice. Uh, we we're extremely grateful Oceanside was able to do what they did. Um, but again, for our guys, that was the only chance they had to skate. Nothing competitive, nothing against another school or, or anything like that. So um, pretty much after fall semester, ASU was, was still on the, the same um, grounds of we, we can't have club sports right now for various reasons. So spring semester was, is once again, uh, there's a Chell League that was created and, and these guys are, um, that's how they're staying on the ice. And of course, these kids have been playing hockey all their life. I know the kids I know through ACHA, they, they simply love it. Um, there's nothing better for them. And I've talked to some of them and it's, that's the big show for them. They couldn't be more happy to be there. And I know a lot of seniors kind of got cheated out of their last year, last year going to nationals and even more so this year, not even get to step on the ice. Do you think that what the Chell League was, was enough to, you know, not leave these guys down in the dumps, enough to get back on the ice? Because I know here in Tucson, it was especially difficult for guys because there just simply was no ice for them. Yeah, I think it's it's something, it was at least something for them. There was a lot of those guys uh, that just needed some release, some bit of normalcy just to, to get out on the ice and, and to screw around with their buddies. Um, you know, that, that, that feeling of, of being on the ice and the, the cold breeze through your nose and, and through your hair, uh, um, you know, that's a, that's a feeling that we, we all want to uh, keep experiencing on a daily basis. Unfortunately, it was taken away from us, but the Chell League is a way for them to get something. Um, and, and I think, and you, you understand as a college student yourself, like how difficult it's been um, to be locked up in a room and not be able to go out and, and uh, do the normal college things, right? Uh, for these guys to have that one hour a week, two hours a week to get out and get some exercise, be part of a game that they love, 
again, I, I, like I said, I'm very grateful that Oceanside was able to come up with that for us. Oceanside was able to host a lot of hockey. Um, one of the big things I know I watched was the, the, the ASHA, that's the Arizona High School Hockey Association final, which was held at Oceanside. I know you're a big contributor to ASHA. What can you tell me about the high school season in Arizona this year? You know, it was, again, they, I think we were just really lucky here in, in Phoenix, Jackson, where we were able to keep playing. In high school hockey, there was questions at first, and they, they kind of delayed their season a little bit. They, they normally start in August. They backed off until probably October just to kind of see how things, and the ranks were open. They were selling ice, and they came up with a plan, and they were able to pull it off. I mean, they just like all the rest of us and everything else, there, you know, there was some games that had to be delayed or, or rescheduled, but uh, Asha was able to, to put together a full season with all their divisions. Um, the D1, they kind of pushed that season through a little quicker so that those teams, uh, the team that wins uh, has a chance to go to nationals, uh, which USA Hockey is still putting that on. Um, but they, they, they did a great job over there where, you know, they, they just followed the rules. They, they, they worked with every rink. You know, every rink has a different set of, of COVID rules, um, as you can imagine, where none of us really were on the same page. You walk into Peoria rink, you got one set of rules. You walk into, you know, Arcadia, you got a different. Um, Asha was able to adapt to all of them, and they pull it off, and, and bravo to them. Congrats, as uh, their D1 game, I'm, I'm sure, as, if, as you saw or heard about, was a great hockey game. Um, and, and it was a bunch of high school kids that, again, not many other kids around the area have, have uh, gotten the experience being able to play the sport they love. And, and Asha did it for these guys. So it was really cool to see, and I'm, I'm really happy for them that they did it. What do you think was the, the reason that Asha was able to be so successful and what separated it from different leagues. I know there's no travel and, you know, the farthest they have to go is, you know, two hours maybe to drive to Flagstaff for a game. Was it just the protocols of them being safe? Was it them to be able to follow the rules? Was it the schools just operating well with each other and just wanting to play? What do you think was the main reason it was able to work so well? I think it's, Jackson, honestly, I think it's because our rinks were able to stay open. You know, our local rinks, they shut down probably a month month and a half in the June, July area. But after that, they were, they were able to open and they were able to, you know, first we could only have 10 kids on the ice and then we could have 15 or 20. And the rinks all did a really good job of just uh, following state protocols, doing what was necessary or what was required by the state um, to stay open and be able to keep kids on the ice. And, you know, at Oceanside, I can't speak for all the rinks, but I know at Oceanside, um, you know, as soon as there was a, uh, uh, what appeared to be an outbreak, let's say in an adult league, they just shut it all down. All right, everybody go home, come back in two weeks. We'll try this again. And um, I think the biggest thing there again is, is the rinks were able to stay open and able to, you know, provide ice to people. And, and that allowed us, I mean, I, I know in Colorado, they weren't able to play, not high school. They're, they're none of their rinks. If it was publicly owned rink, it was closed out. Um, California, all their rinks were shut down. Uh, there were there were teams from California of all age groups that were coming over here to buy ice, um, just so they could get on the ice. 
you know, I actually heard a story. Uh, this is a funny one for you, Jackson. Uh, there is a rink somewhere in Southern California um, that was using their parking lot to look like it was a uh, used car dealership. And you could go to the back door and if you had the special knock or the special code word, you could get into the rink to skate. <laughs> you know, but that's how desperate people were for ice, right? And so um, I'll never forget this. It was like a, I want to say like a Wednesday or Thursday night, I, I walk out of my locker room just to check to see who's on the ice. And there's two California teams playing a game against each other. Like, I want to say probably 14U, 12U, something like that. No reason for them to be here other than they wanted ice and, and we had it. So they came over here to play against each other. And I think it's so wild that Arizona during all of this time almost became a hockey mecca. Like you said, I know so many teams came here not even to play competitive, competitively, just to play. Um, and I think you know that as a Minnesota native. Like it's, you don't think of hockey when you think of Arizona. It's, it's, uh, it's growing. I know you're a part of its growth, and I'd like to be, but it just hasn't been that. And it's weird that during one of the worst times for a lot of people, hockey found a way to continue in Arizona despite basketball and football and all these other sports not really finding a way. Yeah, and you know, I mean... I'm not sure if you're aware, maybe you've heard the stories by now, but you, you had a group of NHL guys that were skating in Tempe um, leading up to the start of the, the NHL season. There was McDavid was here, Matthews was here, um, Jonathan Taze was here, Matthew Dumbo was here. Uh, there's just a laundry list of guys that were all coming here to work out and skate, getting, knowing that the NHL season was gonna start, and this was a place that they could get on the ice. Uh, crazy, crazy. Again, to walk out of my locker room and see all those guys out of my eyes. Like, what? Where am I? You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm shorts and then flip flops outside, and I've got just a, a, a who's who of NHL players skating on my, on my ice on the inside. Yeah, it must have been crazy. And I'm not sure if any of the kids were around at that time, but I know you're also invo involved with DYHA, which is the youth program um, run in Oceanside. What can you tell me about how that worked this year? I know you're a big piece of that program and just kind of how that worked. You know, that was, that was a, um, a giant challenge, Jackson. Um, every week, every, almost every day, I was almost expecting a phone call. Uh, this game has been canceled. This practice is canceled. You've got a kid sick. You guys are on quarantine for two weeks. This team that you're playing is now sick. And there's, um, it was, man, it, it was extremely difficult. Um, but again, because we had ice, because we were able to follow protocols and, and we had a couple, I want to say we took about a week and a half off early in the season. We had one or two kids get sick. Fortunately, after that we didn't have any more get sick uh, but we we traveled to dallas and we traveled to detroit and also wisconsin and all three places were completely different every single one of them had different rules and, and a lot of them were not the same rules that we were playing here uh you know when we were in detroit all the players had to wear masks um when we were in in um uh, Texas, Dallas, they told us we had to wear masks, but then they didn't enforce it. 
We get to Detroit, they tell us we have to wear masks. Now they're enforcing it and the refs are throwing kids off the ice because they don't have a mask on, you know. Um, everything from the off ice stuff to the on ice stuff uh, was different in every state we went to. And at the same time, it was just, I mean, we got used to it. We're like, okay, what, what's going to be the issue at this rink? You know, we have all our guys standing there uh, in, a, in a snowstorm outside of the rink in Wisconsin. They're half dressed because they've not allowed in the rink more than 20 minutes before they can get on the ice, right? Um, so imagine as a player, you've got 20 minutes to get dressed. And as a staff, we need to tell them and get them all in line to get on the ice. But then in other places, you go in there an hour early like you normally do. Um, it, it was really bizarre. It was uh, very difficult. But I think as a staff, especially, and even myself, like just learning how to adapt on, on the fly. You know, like I said, every time I show up at a building, I was going to run into a different set of rules, a different set of guidelines. Hey, we got to change things. This is what we can do. This is what we can't do. Um, and so that was, it was a good learning experience, but it was extremely difficult, extremely frustrating throughout the course of the season, as you can imagine. Yeah, I imagine it was really difficult for you, especially jumbling three different organizations that you're trying to help get going. But one thing I'm curious about, I know you're a, a pretty, pretty uh, ruly coach. I know you like to keep your guys in line. How did the kids react um, when you're traveling across the country and there's all these rules were guys following it? Because I know when I was that young, maybe I didn't want to listen to the coach all the time. But how did the kids that you were coaching react in that situation? You know what? My kids were great. I didn't have any problems with my kids at all. Um, you know, I think at the 18U level, especially, and, and, and me being a college coach and, and working with junior teams and recruiting with junior teams and talking with junior scouts all the time and college scouts or coaches all the time, the, my, my kids, like, they, they just kind of fall in line with it. Like, they understand if they want to move on and move forward, um, they're not going to cause minor problems by, you know, messing around with the not wearing masks in a hotel room or, or, or causing problems at, at grocery stores or restaurants, stuff like that. Um, our kids kind of all buy into it. They, they, they believe that we're, we're trying to help them move on to something else. And it would be no different if, if it was my college kids right now, like they're not going to be allowed to, to, uh, to cause problems on the road or, or act out in any certain way. So the 18s, uh, the younger kids, we, we teach them quick, quick and early that we'll have a good time on the road. Just don't cause any problems. <laughs> and seems, seems fair enough. Point, Jackson, I know there are kids that, that, that wouldn't listen or don't listen, but none of them got caught with anything or, or caught in, in any bit of trouble. So I consider it a success. Yeah, that's a huge success. And in a lot of ways, I think this past year for you and all of these programs that you're involved with was a huge success, but it was different nonetheless. I know you would have liked the ACHA team to get to play at least a couple games, but you know, thinking ahead 10 years from now, when you look back on this year, is it going to be a year you want to forget? Or is this going to be one of those years where you're like, wow, we really did something incredible that year? You know, that remains to be seen. I think uh, you and I talk a year from now, and I will give you, a, you know, a more of a straight answer. Um, I've managed to keep a lot of the ACHA guys involved 
and and still somewhat excited and wanting to be you know playing hockey how that transforms into next year i don't know you know i mean what's it like for a kid that uh, hasn't played physical contact sport in over a year hasn't had that intensity or that the rivalry or you know the you know, we play four on four or no check. Well, they, they all developed all bad habits again. You know, all the things that as coaches, we work so hard to get them to stop doing. <laughs> they bring them back because they're playing unstructured hockey. Um, you know, the, it, it could very well be bad at the same time. It could be really good that our guys were able to still play. Our guys were able to still hang out together, play hockey together. Um, you know, it, it could pay off for us in the long run where our guys uh, become closer as a group because they fought through this together. Um, that, you know, that I would say, yeah, this, this worked out great for us and, and we did things right. But at the same time, I, I can see where, you know, kids are, kids are going to get frustrated. They don't, you know, uh, their schedules change now, their priorities change. It's been a year of not having to go to practice three days a week. It's been a year of not having to go travel around the country on a bus. Um, are they going to get sick of that and say, I don't want to do it anymore? You know, um, I, I can see it going both ways. And that's why I said, uh, let's you and I talk again in a year from now, and, and I'll give you that answer straight. Well, I'm looking forward to that answer. I'm hoping it's a good one. But before I let you go, I want to know what your plan is right now. We're approaching early spring. Things in Arizona are starting to clear up. Everything's starting to ease up. What's the immediate plan for you and all the programs you're involved with? Um, I mean, the, the timing for everything to open up doesn't really help me now. You know, it, it's spring semester. Um, the kids are playing chill. 18 years are done. High school is, is wrapping up. Um, you know, it's recruiting season now. Kids are coming out for visits. Um, you know, there's, there's going to be an ACHA prospect camp in Tempe. I know at the end of spring I'll be involved in that. Um, but really not, I mean, it's now it's just about keep, again, keeping guys interested, keeping guys excited. And then come August, uh, we're rolling the dice. We'll see who shows up, uh, who's ready to go and, and, uh, what we're, what we got, you know? Well, I'm hoping that you've got a lot and things are going well. I know the Tucson convention center here in Tucson's real quiet without those big ASU U of A matchups and place, man. I miss that place. It was tough this year, not going there. Very tough year, not going there. I know. As a University of Arizona student, I can't, I can't believe I was saying I was missing Arizona State. So I think that's real telling of the year. But thank you so much for joining me, Coach Green. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on skiing through it. No worries, Jackson. You, uh, anytime you need anything, don't be afraid to reach out. And uh, good luck to you and everything that you're doing here. Keep it up. Thanks, Coach. Thanks again to Coach Green for joining me for an interview on the podcast. I wish him and the various programs that he is involved with the best of luck when they are able to get back on the ice. On the next episode of Skating Through It, I'll be finding out just how much the COVID-19 pandemic has affected players psychologically at all levels of the game. Until then, you've been listening to Skating Through It, a University of Arizona honors thesis and podcast series where I discuss the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic on the hockey world with people from inside the game. I'm Jackson Peters. I hope you'll join me next time. Thanks for listening.